Hello, 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 and welcome back. This is the bonus part of today's FYI. I hope you are enjoying our trip to Washington, D.C. I know myself, I can't wait to go back. I am eager to go back because it's been a long time. I think the last time I was there, I was in seventh grade. And I still have amazing memories of that trip and another trip I took with my father and my sister. Those moments that life is made of. But I'll tell you a little bit about those in the end of the show. Right now, we're going to talk about some of the cultural offerings over there. And one of those is museums. It's a city full of museums. And not just your typical art museums, but these museums go above and beyond. Son mucho más. They're museums that have to do with certain heritage. The Jewish Museum, the African American Museum. So we can learn a lot about people, about anthropology, about the world around us. And it's really my favorite institution. It's called the Smithsonian. Many of you are probably familiar. It's up there with National Geographic. You know, these are two entities that they dedicate their time, their resources, their money into, well, creating galleries and collections of things and making sure this stuff doesn't get lost in time. And the Smithsonian Institution, you'd have to go to Washington for two weeks just to see all those museums, never mind all the other ones we're going to look at. So I've just handpicked a couple from my own experience. But just remember, there are probably museums there now that were not there when I was a kid and vice versa. Some that maybe were there and are gone. But the Smithsonian is here to stay. It's called the Smithsonian Institution and they have a complex of 17 museums and galleries in Washington, D.C., alone. And that includes the National Zoo. Now, I don't have to tell you this because I can imagine you would know it if you saw all of them, that my favorite one is the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. Even if you don't like aviation, when you walk in the door and the right flyer is over your head, you know, the Wright Brothers, or the one that broke the sound barrier, I mean, that is a cool museum. It's art that's functional, and you can look at it. I remember looking at the, the NASA pods, and it was just incredible to see this kind of a museum because I think before that, I think I had only seen art museums, but these were cultural museums, cultural institutions, I would say. And I remember going to one of radio and TV, also at the Smithsonian, but I don't think that one exists. Now I think they've mixed it and combined it into another one. But as always, if you're going to go to a place, check out the latest information. But don't miss the Smithsonian Institution because there is something for everyone. And on the trip with my dad, do you know how many days we went back to the Air and Space Museum? 
four times maybe three i'll have to confirm this with my dad but i remember going back there quite a few times we didn't spend as much time at the other smithsonian museums but that's great i've got a reason to go back and before i mentioned national geographic well they've also got a museum and society located there as well there's a children's museum and one of the world's only museums of its kind, the International Spy Museum. That's right, Despia. This is another museum. So you've got your traditional ones, your art galleries, your cultural ones, and then you've got some fun ones as well. Now this one's probably not as fun, but it's a must if you love books, if you consider yourself a bookworm, and I'm talking about the Library of Congress. It is the research library that officially serves the U.S. Congress. So that is our national library, and it is the oldest federal cultural institution in the United States, and it's housed on Capitol Hill and housed this albergado. I think you would say it that way in Spanish. So it's in three buildings on Capitol Hill and it is the world's largest library. And not only that, it's absolutely gorgeous, as many of the buildings are. As I said, in Washington, D.C., they didn't just say, let's make functional buildings. They said, no, let's make beautiful, grandiose buildings. And that's why Washington, D.C. is a monument in and of itself. And since it was a city that was planned, a lot of the streets there are lettered. So it's pretty easy. A, B, C. This happens in New York, but with numbers. And they're in alphabetical order. So it's, it's not a hard city to get around, especially once you get the hang of it. But there's just one letter missing. What? One letter missing? Why? Well, there's no J Street. And why is that? Why didn't they put a J Street? I thought you'd never ask. The most likely, likely es probable, the most likely explanation is that people thought it would be confused with I Street because those two letters were frequently interchanged in the 18th century. Remember how letters looked a little bit different and they used cursive and all of this? So a lot of people used to mix up the J and the I. So they decided no J, guys. And it reminds me of another thing with the word J, jaywalking. If you go to Washington, D.C., I hope you don't jaywalk. And this is a funny little crime. It's not a serious one, but this is crossing the street where you shouldn't. <laughs> jaywalking. <laughs> I don't think they really give tickets, but you never know. If somebody, if the police officer is in a bad mood and you're jaywalking, technically you should cross the street at the pedestrian crossings. Hey, don't test them. But if you're looking for J Street in Washington, D.C., you're going to be looking for a long time. Don't hold your breath, as we say. Espera sentado. Another amazing thing about D.C. is the metro in D.C. It's called the D.C. Metro. Makes sense. And it is the second busiest subway system in the world. Can you guess what number one is? You guessed it, New York City is number one. 
But DC is number two. And as I said before, it's because there are tons of commuters. People are commuting, whether it be by car, by train, by bus. This is a hustle and bustle city. Hustle and bustle, ajetreo. But that's the city. That's the interior part. Later, these people go to the suburbs and they live in their big houses with nice property. And they commute in and out every day. It's similar to New York in that way as well. Some people live there, but many, many people commute. And, well, maybe it's because the quality of life is a little bit better than in the inner city, at least in the suburbs in the United States. And there's something called the Capital Beltway. No, no es un cinturón, but it's a highway. Y si miras los, eh, las autovías en Estados Unidos, ¿qué parecen? No, they look like bows, como aros, or they look like belts, cinturones. Well, the Capital Beltway is the one that goes around Washington, D.C. It's 103 kilometers long, and it surrounds the capital of the U.S. And there's even an expression that comes from it. The expression is inside the Beltway, which refers to political issues or U.S. government issues. Interesting. I didn't know that one. I'm even learning some expressions here. Oh, that that kind of stuff? That's inside the beltway. Eso es muy de el gobierno, muy político. That is an expression that many people in New York might not even know. Obviously, unless you're in the field of politics, then you would know it. But it is a circumferential roadway which goes around the capital. Does it sound familiar, madrileños? The M30? The M40? Sure. Well, that's a very important thing. A city needs to be connected. Its roads, its people, its offices, its trains, it's all got to be a well-oiled machine. I think you say, como maquinaria. Some more fun facts about this city. The National Cathedral. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Alberto, I'm not going to go to to Washington, D.C., halfway across the Atlantic Ocean to go to, to Mass. No, I'm sorry. Well, what if I told you that this church, aside from your traditional gargoyles, also has a Darth Vader gargoyle. What? Yeah, a Darth Vader gargoyle. Now, you can't see it with the naked eye, so bring your binoculars. But the National Cathedral, beautiful building with a very American, uh, American twist, Star Wars twist. Oh, and while we're on the topic of the National Cathedral, the only president who's buried in Washington, D.C. is buried in the National Cathedral. All right, let's see if our history buffs can guess this one. He died in 1924. Anyone? Anyone know what president I'm referring to? Woodrow Wilson, the only American president buried in Washington, D.C. That's a good trivia question. I might use it. As I said before, any time is a good time to go over to Washington, D.C. But if you go there in the spring, you'll witness the cherry blossoms. That's right, the cherry trees blossom, and it's just beautiful. It's pink, and obviously with Washington, D.C. in the background, it is 
breathtaking. For you photographers or Instagram photographers, it's a picture you won't want to miss. And you know why? Because there are 3,000 cherry trees along the Tidal Basin, as they call it. The Tidal Basin is the water area. And there's an interesting story behind these cherry trees. They were a gift from Mayor Yukio Ozaki. He was the mayor of Tokyo, and he gave these to the American government as a gift, to Washington, D.C., as a gift. This was in 1912. And now now, there's something called the National Cherry Blossom Festival, which commemorates this event and the relationship between the U.S. and Japan every year. And that's the cherry on top. <laughs> okay, well, I wanted to teach you La Guinda. I haven't been there. When I was there, I think it was winter and winter and fall. So I've got to go back in the spring, and I've got to see other museums. Although I have a feeling I'm going to find myself back at the Air and Space Museum. I don't know. Just a little hunch I have. Una corazonada. Now, what was that business I said earlier about Washington, D.C. burning to the ground? Uh, reminds me of Chicago, right? We talked about the Chicago fire in the Chicago episode, which, by the way, if you haven't heard that episode, give it a listen. There was a raid in Washington, D.C. This was August 24th and 25th in the year 1814. It's known as the Burning of Washington, if you guys want to look it up. And it's when British forces invaded the capital during the War of 1812. The capital, the treasury, tesoreria, I think you say, and the White House were burned and gutted during the attack. And to gut something, well, if guts are tripas, it's destripar. Whoa, those British guys had a lot of guts. <laughs> okay, I'll stop with the jokes. But to have a lot of guts is mucha agalla. The good news is most of the government buildings were repaired quickly. Well, except for the Capitol, which was under construction at the time. And, well, it wasn't completed in its current form until the year 1868. So those of you who are good at math... It was burned in 1814. It was finished in 1868. Well, it's a good thing that they rebuilt the Treasury Building quickly and the White House. And let's go back to the Lincoln Memorial right now. As I said, probably one of the most beautiful views, one of the most beautiful and historic spots in Washington, D.C. But there's a typo. Or there was a typo. But they used a little whiteout, so to speak. Whiteout is Tipex. And they tried to fix it. But you can see that there was a typo there. And the word typo comes from typographical error. Now, don't learn that word because we don't really use it. We say typo. And in the inscription of Lincoln's second inaugural address, it's etched into the wall. To be etched into the wall is... In la pared. And instead of the word future, futuro, the engraver carved, otra forma de decir etch, to etch, to carve, 
this guy made a mistake and he put future. So instead of an F, like we normally spell the word future, he put future. Obviously, it was a mistake. But I mean, it's not like typing that you do it quickly. Didn't he notice after a couple of shots with the hammer? I don't know. But if you look and you know where to look, what you can find this on the internet, you can see that the E had the bottom line filled in. So now it's an F. But uh, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> We're all about perfection and integrity. And it's like, oops. Um, yeah, there's a typo over there. But again, as I said earlier, to err is human. The thing is, when you keep making the same mistake over and over, that's when we need to talk. Which I think is a good segue, transition, into controversy, crime, and corruption in D.C. Well, let me tell you this first story because it was the first thing that came to mind. When I started preparing the episode and I looked at this category, conspiracy, uh, you know, um, corruption, you know, things like that. The first name that came to mind was a guy named Marion Barry. And who was Marion Barry? Well, he was a mayor. Well, he was a politician, I should say. He was more than just a mayor. But in January 1990, he was videotaped during a sting operation. And you know what he was doing? This politician, this uh, supposedly reputable politician, he was caught smoking crack cocaine. And he was arrested by the FBI on drug charges. The arrest was right after, as usually, and then he was on trial. So he couldn't seek re-election. He was the mayor, el alcalde. But he was still thinking, well, you know, I want to be re-elected here. So they told him, no, buddy, I'm sorry, you're going to jail. And he went to federal prison for six months. And you would think that this ended his political career. No, it didn't. After he was released from prison, he was elected. That's right. People chose him. He was elected to the Council of the District of Columbia, D.C., in 1992. In 1994, he was elected mayor again. And he served from 1995 to 1999. Does this give you an idea of what happens in D.C.? Like, do whatever you want. It's a free-for-all, as we say. O como otra forma de decirlo es no holds barred. Vale todo. Que viene del pressing catch, from wrestling. Aquí todas las llaves valen, ¿no? Ninguno está prohibido. Check out the story of Marion Barry. But I remember watching it on the news and being like, oh, man, how embarrassing. Oh, and then when he got out and got reelected, I was like, now it's really embarrassing. I also told you I was going to tell you a little bit about the Masonic symbols. And Freemasons are everywhere. If you're listening to it, hello right now, FYI Freemasons. <laughs> But we even talked about Freemasonry in the Statue of Liberty. Well, there are symbols all over. And again, they can be interpreted as symbols or maybe it's just a coincidence. As I said, you be the judge. I'll give you a couple of them. The obelisk, for example, is one of those symbols that is used in Freemasonry. The Pentagon, we didn't talk very much about that. That's where all military operations are. The headquarters, la sede. Well, what is a Pentagon? 
a five-sided figure pentagon pentagram is there an occult influence i don't know i'm just giving you things that people have said they could be just conspiracy theories or they could be people leaving messages who knows but the Pentagon was built in the 1940s under President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, as his friends call him. You know, we were boys, éramos colegas. Supposedly, the unique shape, the reason it's shaped like a pentagon, is in order to maximize space. And it has nothing to do with the occult. I'll let you be the judge. Another one, people say, remember how I said that the city was four different... Uh, I think it was extensions, I don't remember the word I used, that go out from the capital. Well, if you look at it from the sky, supposedly, again, all of this stuff is supposedly, you can see a Templar cross, the symbol that the Freemasons used. Uh, basically, if you guys are fans of the Da Vinci Code, then you're going to be huge fans of Washington, D.C., whether it's true or not. And the icing on the cake, uh, I taught you the cherry on top before, but another way to say it is the icing on the cake, and this is the part that makes it less of a conspiracy now. There is a real Masonic temple close to the White House. It's called the House of Temple. So, uh, you know, that proximity to the White House, I imagine it's not just a literal proximity, but also a figurative proximity so how much power do these freemasons have to have that property right next to 1600 pennsylvania avenue and 1600 pennsylvania avenue is the famously known address of the white house i know in madrid the white house is a different thing it's the santiago bernabeo stadium but i'm talking about the one in washington dc now here's a word that i wanted to look at because you can't talk about washington dc without talking about lobbyists and lobbying and well i wanted to look at a how it works again keeping it simple and I also wanted to look at the etymology of the word. Now, the word comes from the word lobby, which is the recepción de un hotel. It's the outer area, the lobby. So, supposedly, this was because a lot of these pressure groups, these lobbyists, would meet with these politicians in the lobby of the different hotels, the, the luxurious hotels. And the term has been in use since the early 19th century. Now let's look at the definition. I wanted to look at it because I don't know very much about it. So we're gonna learn together. So the verb to lobby, what does it mean? To conduct activities aimed at influencing public officials and especially members of a legislative body on legislation there it is it's having some kind of effect on the laws that are going to be passed so that's the definition and how does it work well guys i copied and pasted this because i i've never studied political science but what a lobbyist wants is action on a bill a bill is a kind of law and a legislator wants to be reelected, right? Somebody wants to change the laws or adapt the laws so it favors them. 
and the politician wants to stay in office. So the idea is to persuade a legislator that what the lobbyist wants is good. It's good public policy. And, well, lobbyists often urge, instar, lawmakers to try to persuade other lawmakers to approve a bill. So it's not just convincing your guy, but it's having him convince the other guys. Because remember, everything is about votes. So you need to sway people in your direction. And that's a great word, to sway, to convince them to go in your direction. And I don't know how I feel about lobbying, to be honest, because it asks the question, you know, it begs the question, who calls the shots? ¿Quién lleva la voz cantante? Big companies? Only people with money? Because obviously the people with access to these politicians are people who have a lot of money that they can donate or they can use to bribe, to bribe us sobornar. And so a lot of people are saying this allows for rampant corruption. And there's a lot of cronyism, which is Amiguismo. What do you guys think? Let me know on Patreon. But I feel like that the government right now, they're taking care of, you know, big companies and their interests, but I don't feel like they're taking care of our interests. Again, I'm speaking about my own experiences, but maybe it's just a feeling I get. But I feel like this lobbying thing leaves the citizens out of the decision-making process. What do you guys think? I'd be eager to hear all of your opinions. But right now, let's not talk politics. In fact, that's taboo. You're not supposed to talk about politics and religion. But I'll tell you all about my trips there when I was a young kid. The first one was, I think, my first big school trip. And I remember it was tons of fun. We went there with the whole group. I think it was maybe 300 of us. We had like nine or 10 buses and we drove to Washington, D.C. We didn't fly there. We, we had to save some money, you know. <laughs> But I remember going to Bush Gardens even. I mean, okay, yeah, we saw all the sites you need to see. And again, the one that stood out the most, and I highly recommend, the FBI building. I can't wait to go back. <laughs> I remember going there as a young kid. I was probably 13, 12 years old. And I'm still impressed by what I saw at the FBI building tour. Obviously, we, we visited all those musts, you know, the Capitol, the White House, the Mall, all the monuments. And I just remember it leaving such an impression on me, so much that I decided to do this episode. And not just the, the, the trip with my school, obviously the trip with my father was even more special. Because in the end, what is it about? What is all of this about? Traveling, doing things? It's about experiencing things. It's about being with the people we love and bonding. You know, to bond is to create great memories. So wherever you are, whether it's Washington, D.C., family is about forging memories together. But if you've got a backdrop like Washington, D.C., well, that's the cherry on top. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode of FYI.